Good evening and welcome back. Uh, today is Easter Sunday, so I hope that everyone is having a wonderful Easter um, for this series. And this is the last week before we have uh, actual live teens here uh, as we're working back towards the new normal, I guess is how I'll say it. Uh, but with Easter, obviously the thing that is on our minds is the return, the return of Christ uh, to, to life, uh, the return of, of the disciples to feeling that that impact, that, that calling again. Not that they lost that necessarily, but just the depression they had over those three days that he was gone. But when he comes back and what that is like. And so we're going to tie that in each week, not just with his return on Easter Sunday as we talk about, but the, the return to different things in life. The return to uh, different things that we deal with. The return uh, just towards doing what we can do to, to be like Him. And so this week, I want to talk specifically about the victory that, that we get from Jesus' resurrection. Because uh, a lot of people, when, when you kind of talk about church attendance, or you talk about church, you talk about people going, etc., 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 the big days, uh, now we want people to go all the time, obviously, but the big days are Easter and Christmas. And that is when people are most approachable in terms of, hey, you know, I haven't been to church for a long time, but, but I'll go now. Or if you ask somebody, maybe they'll come. Easter and Christmas, because everybody knows those are the big ones. Christmas, obviously, is when we celebrate His birth. And Easter is when we celebrate the victory of His return to life. So it's impossible to say, you know, this is what our faith rests on. Because it rests on both of those and everything else. And just how He lived His life. How He, just God's plan, all of this. But our faith, the Christian faith, exists because of this resurrection. It exists because He fulfilled that promise. Because He fulfilled that guarantee. And so I want to talk about that and just what it was like as uh, Mary Magdalene and the disciples saw that He wasn't there and what they went through. So I'm going to start with John 20, 1-18. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away uh, from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So, uh, one of the things I say often, whether I'm preaching to uh, like big church or to youth or to anybody else in between, is we've heard these stories, these scriptures so often that sometimes we jump ahead and we're like, yeah, 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 I get this part, but let's get to where the victory happens. Let's get to where he comes back. Let's get to where he talks. Or, or let's get to where the, the stone hits Goliath. Let's get to where the, the flood recedes. Let's get to where Samson knocks down the comments. Whatever it is, it's so important, especially, always, but especially when it's a story, a, a Scripture that we're so aware of, so used to, to stop and just read it as if it's fresh and to listen as it's, if it's fresh. And so I want you to put yourself into... Uh, the place of Mary Magdalene and, and, and Simon Peter and John, and I love that he always calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, and I kind of wonder what the others would think if they saw that, and you know, in heaven maybe they talk about it now. But to put yourself in their place. So we start with Mary Magdalene, who uh, was at one point possessed by multiple demons, and Jesus rescued her, he uh, exercised her, he helped her, and more than that, he gave her a purpose. 
she, she loved him so much that she followed him and she would give anything to him, her very life, her very heart, because she believed in who he was. She believed in his mission. She believed in his message. And so in very many ways, she became a disciple, or at least like a disciple. And I would imagine that she had a huge impact on a lot of people. Uh, and so she was there. She was there all of the time because, again, he not only saved her life, he saved her soul literally because she was possessed and she was dealing with so much, so much hatred, so much anger, so many demons, like all of these things she was facing. And he saved her. And so she went probably each of those days for several hours. And so imagine as she goes there and, and you know, she's dealing with this horrible sadness, this crushing loss, because as we've said, as we've talked about throughout the, the last series and just throughout time, each of the disciples, everyone who listened to Jesus, heard what he said about dying and coming back. But there's such a difference between hearing a promise of God and actually witnessing. Because as humans, we kind of screw that up all the time. And we'll hear that something is supposed to happen, uh, or we'll believe even that it is going to happen, and, and we still kind of, in our weakness, in our, our humanity, don't really fully live by that standard until it happens. And they're like, oh wow, I can't believe that I had any doubts. I can't believe, etc. And so Mary and the disciples, they trusted him with their lives. But to hear his promises, to hear what he said, is so different than seeing those nails go in his hands, than seeing his skin ripped off his flesh, than seeing him die. And I don't believe they didn't walk away. They didn't say, well, it's over. I don't believe in it anymore. But it was, had to be so hard in those three days. And so imagine Mary, who's dealing with this, carrying this. The only person who really took an interest in her. The only person who really saw something more in her than anyone else had seen. Who gave her a chance at a new life. His body was gone. And so that's all she saw. She didn't look in anymore. She didn't notice anything. She's like, he's gone. And obviously her first thought goes to the Romans or the high priest. Like, they took him away. Because all along, everybody had been trying to erase his message and so to erase his body who knows maybe one of their plans was you know if we get rid of his body then after a couple years we'd be like jesus who he never existed uh but when she sees that her heart probably did all kinds of things i would imagine that there was the initial is he here but then it goes immediately to i don't see him he's gone they took him and just that brokenness and she runs to john and peter and they run they run because they've faced it as much as anyone else, John, who was there when Jesus looked down and said, you know, this is your mom, take care of my mom, and, and mom, take care of John, and, and just how much of an impact he had and how much of an impact he would have. And then Peter, who, while his Lord, his Savior, his friend, his brother was dying, was lying and saying he didn't know him. So for both of them to hear, hey, his body's gone. Again, they probably had this initial, is, it, is, it, is he there? But then when she's crying, they're like, oh no, and they run and they see. And, and it's like just this crushingness. And so again, we know what happens because that's what Easter is, and that's why we're here, and that's why we go to church, that's why we believe. But that moment of just nothing being there had to be so breaking. And so we go to the next part. Peter and the other disciples started to the tomb. Uh, they were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying, wrappings lying uh, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. 
Then the disciples who had reached the tomb, the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then they hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. So again, imagine this roller coaster. So Peter runs, and I, I love the part, just like how he calls himself the disciple who Jesus loved, he had to throw in, you know, we both ran and I passed him, I won, which has really very little pertinence to the story other than for John to be like, hey, you know, I'm probably the fastest man alive, but that's beside the point, and then to continue. And I love that part because I feel like that's something that I would do. Uh, today we call it kind of a humble brag or a brag brag. But anyway, I'm not fast, so I wouldn't say that. But uh, So Peter runs in and he sees him. And it's so fitting, so right, that Peter was the first one to run in. Because again, he denied him and he... Uh, would get called out by him and he lied saying that he didn't even know him but he was always the first in line he was the first to chop off somebody's ear he was the first to say god use me he was the first always whether it was good or bad and so he's in there because he takes it upon him anything that happens because he just gave everything to him uh sometimes i think not often but sometimes you'll hear people kind of not dismiss but diminish a little bit uh, their understanding, because here it says they didn't understand really until they saw that he was back. And for a lot of people, seeing is believing. For Thomas, obviously, seeing is believing. But remember that the reason they were called was not because they were scholars. The reason they were called was not because they were high priests. The reason they were called was not because they had memorized the Scripture. The reason they were called was because they were ready to believe. They were ready to act. They were ready to live for Him. And their hearts, hearts were aching for more. They did not have all of the knowledge of the Pharisees. They did not have all of the knowledge of everyone. Uh, now, obviously, they knew a lot because they walked with Jesus, and I'm sure that they read Scripture together, and they understood, they listened to Him. But they didn't know all of the prophecies as deeply as some other people did, as the Pharisees did. And so every time He would say something like that, they would listen and they would believe. But it also didn't really fit because they couldn't understand in those terms yet. And then when they saw... And again, there's that moment of seeing the emptiness where, oh, no, no, no. But then they see that the coverings are folded. Now, I have never stolen a body out of a tomb, and hopefully no one has. Uh, I'm going to ignore the fact Terry's raising his hand. I'm sure that's for something random. But no, I haven't done that. But I assume, I assume that if you go to do that, uh, you don't take the time to fold the, the leftover items, to fold the, the clothing, to clean the coffin, to do all this. You probably grab it and go. Now please, please, please don't do that. Uh, not even in Egypt, in the pyramids, nowhere. Don't do that. But I'm saying, once they saw, wow, this was very organized, that kind of takes away from the fact that the high priest or the Romans did it. Because if they did it, they would take everything. Because they wouldn't want anything left there. Because again, their only purpose in removing his body would be to make sure that he didn't rise again, to make sure that nobody else took it, and to make sure that they could kind of control the narrative. So if they leave the cloth, if they leave the shroud, if they leave the tomb open like that, then people are going to wonder, did he really come back? And so they don't want that. And so the disciples saw that and they immediately understood and, and God was with them and they felt that. Now going to the next part. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, uh, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they have put him. 
She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Uh, Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. So there's a lot of reasons why when she turned around and saw Jesus, that she may not have immediately recognized him. Uh, That does not mean that he didn't look anything like he did. Our understanding, and you know this can change theologically, but for the most part this is standard, our understanding is that when he came back, he's in his uh, perfect body, his, his heavenly body to show us kind of what we will get at the end of time after Revelation, after the, the second coming and all of that, when we get our you know, perfect heavenly body. Uh, and so he obviously had the appearances, appearance of himself, and so he was recognizable, but I, I don't know, there was probably something slightly different, like maybe uh like a shine and i don't mean like a, a shine like put oil on but just like this glow like this difference because this was a different time he was back and he was so his power had just had to be evident but also when we're not looking for someone in a certain place sometimes it's really hard uh, i remember and i've probably told this story before but i used to substitute teach at the high school in seymour where i come from and uh i have a friend who has a wife who's a nurse and they live in Columbus, Indiana, which is like 20-30 minutes north, and this isn't an important part other than uh, I'm walking in to get my assignment for the day to kind of find out what the assignments are for that class, and uh, like I turn and I see this woman who looks sort of recognizable, and like she like looks up as if she's about to say something, but you know I'm in the process of just getting my stuff and go, so I just kind of look, do the nod, and walk on, and then later I get a text from her and her husband saying, hey, you know, what's up? Uh, and it's because I had no, no really uh, expectation of seeing this person who I only saw in certain places in certain cities there in my home base like that. And, and so even though it was her, and even though, you know, in hindsight, I was like, oh yeah, that was her. Uh, just this, this lack of expectation, this, this weirdness of the moment didn't really fit. And so Mary Magdalene was feeling that. She's sad. Because Peter and John apparently just ran off after they saw what was happening and they apparently didn't stop and explain it to her, but, you know, who knows. Uh, and so the first thing she sees is two angels and, you know, they're like, hey, why are you sad? And then she sees Jesus. Probably she's like, is this another angel? Is this the gardener? What's happening? Because it's all happening really fast. For us, we see this and we read the words and we can read it at whatever speed we have. But for her, this is all happening as her heart is breaking, as she's dealing with grief, as she's dealing with all of this stuff. One of the most amazing things about this story, besides the actual miracle of his return, is that Mary Magdalene is the first person to see him. Because I just said that she was possessed by demons, and so that alone would take her out of the running for most people that were writing this story, especially the Pharisees, the high priests. But also, they had begun and had always done such a a horrible mudslinging campaign against her just because she was a woman who followed Jesus, just because she, she was doing her best to change, just because she had dealt with all of this demon stuff and was changed. And so, as always, they could either be like, oh wow, this is true, or let's really get this out of the way. And so there were uh, stories about her being a prostitute. There were stories about her being an awful person. There were stories about her marrying Jesus. All of these different things, none of which were true but just meant so that they could kind of diminish her impact, so they could diminish what Jesus had done for her. And so for her to be the first to see him, the first to see him returned, means all kinds of things. Number one, it means that he did not care about that. He cared about her and about her heart, and he saw her. He saw the truth. He knew who she was. He didn't care what the high priest, the Pharisee said. He didn't care what people believed. 
Number two, at this point in time, uh, you needed men involved to make a story accurate. And so if a woman said something, especially just one woman, a single woman, said something, like nobody's going to believe it. And so for her to be here, if a Pharisee or a high priest or even a disciple writing this story, you've got a high priest here, or you've got Pilate, or you've got Caesar, or you've even got Caligula, you've got somebody here who is important and powerful and sees that Jesus is back because that really has an impact. But the truth, the reality, what God did was just this normal person. This woman who nobody believed, this woman who people lied about, this woman who most people didn't even see was there to see Jesus because he saw her, because he had use for her, because he has use for all of us, because he sees all of us. In our lives, sometimes we see other people who live these big faiths, and that's awesome. We see people who can stand up and testify at the drop of a hat. We hear people who can pray just amazingly well, and, and you know, just their, their prayers, you can feel them, you can feel the passion and the love. Uh, we'll, we'll see people who are so strong in their faith, in their personality, that they can walk through a room and, and make friends with everyone and just almost, it appears effortlessly, tell the story and, and just share and bring people in. And sometimes we don't feel like that. Sometimes it's like, man, you know, I, I try and I listen and I believe and I follow and I try to talk, but I just, I don't have the right words sometimes. Or I, I just don't feel good enough sometimes. Or I, I just don't think that, that, I am as effective in some ways. Well, we all feel that way. But the important thing is that Jesus sees us. He sees who we are. He sees your strengths. And your strengths aren't my strengths, and my strengths aren't somebody else's strengths and their strengths, etc. If everyone did this the exact same, nothing's happening. Each church would just be, you know, all uh, energetic, active, or all quiet introvert, or all whatever, and... and Nobody outside of that would ever come in. But Jesus has a way and a truth. The truth is everywhere for us, for all of us, solid. It's true for everyone. But the way can change. The way of how we do it. The way of, of the, how we interact. How we impact. And so if you think, man, you know, in my life, I've seen people give these testimony and I've, I've seen people just really bring something out of the Bible, and I can just share what happened to me. I can just pray with somebody or for somebody. Or, or when I sing, I feel good, but when I speak, I don't. You're doing something. And so Mary was very different than Peter and John. If Peter were the first one, he's going to be just jumping up and down. He's going to be like, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And he's going to run and tell everybody about it, which he eventually did, because that's his role. John would have ran and written about it probably or, or you know, told a few people but written a lot and just had these amazing things, which he did. But Mary was there for this personal feeling, this victory like, man, you know, once I had demons and everybody hated me and I just, my life was over, but you came. And then I lost you and then everybody saw nothing in me again and I just felt it all coming back, but then you came back. Now, at this point, she doesn't quite recognize him, but he sees her and he talks to her. And so we go to the last part of the Scripture. Well, second to last part of the Scripture. Mary, Jesus said, she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. 
the key here is not just that she immediately saw him as teacher. It's not just that he sent her a woman that nobody really cared about, nobody really believed, that people made up stories about, to go and tell others that he's back, that she was the messenger, but that he said her name. One of the things that separates our faith, that separates our love for Christ, separates him from all other religions and, and belief systems is he knows our name. There's an individual relationship there if we seek it. There's an individual relationship there regardless because he will always love us. He will always call our name. And then it's up to us to listen. You see, he could have said Mary and she would have seen it and she would have been like, oh no, I didn't see you and I didn't get it and I ran away and whatever. Because sometimes we do that. But he said Mary. And she saw him. Her eyes were open and she felt his presence and she felt his calling and she felt her life start again. And so she went, even with all the questions about her, even with all the stories about her, even with all the questions she probably had about herself, once he called her name, she knew it was true. She knew it was right. And she ran and she told people. Last scripture. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Uh, then she gave him his message. Again, if this were fiction, if someone were writing this just to kind of have the biggest impact and to get people to be like, oh man, this is such a cool story. Uh, it, it would have been somebody, again, not, not quite irredeemable, but on that way, maybe Herod. Herod would have been a great one because his dad tried to kill him. He was involved in the death of him. And, and so maybe he's there. And who knows why he's there. He's there to make sure he's dead or he's there to, to mock him or whatever. And he sees that he's gone and Jesus appears. And he's like, wow, my life's been wasted. And he's a king, and he's a man, and he's done all of these things that, that people both respect and hate and don't understand and, and are scared of, and all of these things. And he would if his life had changed and he'd gone away and, and been in the place of the disciples, people would have bought that book. Now, the Bible sells well, and it's true, but that would have been something that a fictional telling would have happened. That would have been something where it's like, well, let's see what would seem the most right what would seem the best story but god doesn't take that into account he takes into account what is the best story what is the truth what is right and so mary was there because everyone has a place everyone has a purpose jesus sees us all and he knows our name as we go through the return to to church and to youth stuff and, and to life and as we deal with maybe some setbacks with with diseases or with uh, dealing with things or whatever whatever happens whether it's good or bad or both which is likely the roller coaster of life he knows your name that's what the return is about that's what the victory is about his his return to life is is beyond miraculous beyond important but the fact that he knows our name is why we are here in all senses of that sentence he knows our name and He loves us. And when He calls our name, it's not with anger. It's not with, why didn't you see me before? It's not with, you should know better. It's with, hey, look at me. Redirect your focus. Redirect your life. And we can all do that. Because we all have this victory in Him. And that's why we're here. And that's why He came back to show us that. To take our sins. To give us a chance at heaven. And to show us Everyone has a purpose. Everyone has a chance. Everyone is loved by Him. And that's all I got.